Thank you all. And I uh, hope that you're well. Again, looking forward to just uh, winding up our series here on One for All. And so if you could please turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 again. And we'll start there, get into a couple of verses this morning. So I hope you got your Bibles ready. And uh, just was, uh, was praying this week about um, the, the next couple of weeks coming up and hope that you've uh, just been committing yourself as we've been uh, challenging one another uh, about the, this thing of, of just loving the Lord and loving one another in Christ and then also just that attitude of humility that we spoke about last week, how that's so needful if we're going to continue to just be better one another and um, be there for each other. And really, you're going to hear this message this morning, and if you haven't really been part of the, the last couple of weeks, this is just going to sound like a list. And it is a list, but we're going to look through this with the context of what we've been learning about in the, less, uh, the last couple of, uh, of Sundays, in that the foundation of our being with one another in our fellowship, if we are to, to build each other up in the most holy faith, it's got to start with a, a love for God an understanding of, of what he did for us on the cross of Calvary, but then also because of that, how we ought to owe one another love. How the foundation of our, get, our, our, our togetherness, the foundation of our fellowship is the, just a love one for another. And then a flow on from that would then be just the, the humility then that we're supposed to uh, come, that attitude of humility, preferring one another above each other and understanding that uh, the Lord Jesus himself, as uh, was already alluded to throughout the course of this service, just humbled himself. And we read that, didn't we, in, the, um, in, in this uh, passage of Scripture that we had for our text this morning, how he made himself for, uh, poor for us. And it, that is an amazing thought. You think about the God of heaven, you think about the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, and he willingly made himself of no reputation, the Bible says. And he humbled himself on the cross. And, you know, this morning we um, can, can look at all of that. I mentioned last time we were together, we can, uh, as a church family, we can say the right words. We can uh, say to each other, as was sung, the, just the, uh, have, have that attitude or, or, or that, um, have the actions together of love. We can speak to each other and tell each other, hey, we're praying for you. We're, we love you and we love your family. We could have all of the values, and you know, sometimes when we come into each other's homes, we uh, we have different scripture verses on the on the walls, don't we? And I bet you one of the words, uh, one of the verses that we often have on there is, "As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." And we can have it nicely decorated. We can even have our house rules in a in a very uh, well presented way, and we can look at all of that. But if we don't, we don't actually have a flow on from that. And have certain actions that are evident, then we've got to go back to the first thing that we learned about. How's our love? How's our humility? So we've gone through now and we've looked at all of those. And we can, we can have those as, a, as, as far as we're recognizing the truth of all of that. But we're now to the end tell of, of this and, and understanding then there's going to be some actions that flow out of that. And I want you to think about it a little bit um, backwards in this way. If you don't recognize these actions as just things that are normal to you, that flow out, that are just fruit and, and organic things that come out of your life, 
then you've got to go back to the beginning and perhaps re-listen to how is our love. Re-listen to is how is our attitude of humility because this is actually what we're covering today is really just the, the outflow of all of those foundational things that we spoke about already. So, so we're going to look through some of these things and we're going to look at the actions now that should be a, an outflow of the, the beliefs that we have about who we are as a church, who we are in Christ, what is our attitude to be. And, and I want to remind you that really our faith has always been a practical faith. There's always been actions that ought to follow our, what the said beliefs that we have. And, you know, uh, I think actions have to be paired with belief if they are to be validated. In James chapter 2, verse 20, we, uh, we know this verse, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And what that verse is saying, it's not saying that, that if you don't work for your salvation, that your salvation isn't right. No, it's the opposite. If you are saved, you will produce works in your life. If you are saved, there's going to be some fruitfulness that abounds that just like a, just like a, a, a plant that has the right conditions produces fruit without effort. So really, all of these things that we're going to cover today ought to be present in our lives and they ought to flow from that heart of love one for another and that, that humbleness and that submission and that humility that we ought to have with each other. And so we're going to look at these actions, and, and I want you to think of it that way. You know, even the Lord Jesus himself, we understand that, that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. But that word commend means he proved it. You know how he proved it? Through his actions. Right? Jesus just didn't go walking around teaching things that were true. No, he lived them. There was a, an outflow of his words. And ultimately what he did was he proved his love on the cross of Calvary. His love got him there. His love for, you know, God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so there was an outflow of all of the, all of the, the of who he was. His, those things that he said that he believed there was an outflow and, you know, many times, again, as I have mentioned, you know, many times we can have all of those values, all of those verses, and we can proclaim to be something, but actually there needs to be an outflow of it. And that's really our final challenge this morning as we finish off this series on One for All. We're going to look at some actions and here's, here's how I want you to approach it this morning. Just, just allow the Holy Spirit of God to, to point out or pinpoint where you're lacking in these. And just be honest with the Lord. You know, I want to I tell you, none of us here this morning, myself included, none of us are perfect. None of us here, we, all of us have to go through times of, of being maintained by the Lord and, remember, and, and put into remembrance about some things. And, and honestly, as I go through this list, probably a lot of you this morning will go, well, it's pretty basic. Well, it is. But, but really, much of the Christian life is just foundational, isn't it? It's just about performing the doing of it like we read here in our, in our couple of verses. You know, the, the church here was, they, they, they had a willingness to do something. They understood, and then he, the challenge was, prove the sincerity of your love. And then you know how he did that? He said, perform the doing of it. Don't just have a willingness. Don't just say you're going to do it. No, perform. And these are the outflows that we're going to look at this morning of, of all of the things. that If you're truly loving one to another, 
If you truly approach our times of gathering and assembly with a spirit and attitude of humility, then these will just be a natural outflow. These will be the fruit of all of those beliefs that we have. And so we're going to pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless, and then we'll get into this this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you, dear Lord. Lord, just for the opportunity that we have this morning to open your word. Lord, I recognize, dear God, that that all of us here were, were approaching today with Lord, just a different manner of ways that we've gone through the week. And I no doubt we're seeking for, for something from you. Lord, we're seeking to be edified and built up. Lord, we're seeking to be encouraged. And Lord, whilst your word will do that, it's also what we ought to have with one another that will do that. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to just identify these areas of our lives that perhaps we're not enacting and then, Lord, to just go back and evaluate where our heart truly is. And thank you, Lord, for the worship this morning. Thank you for the, the, the fact that we've been able to praise your name. And, Father, we do lift your name, the name of Jesus, up. And we pray, dear God, that you would just be glorified and pleased as we open your word this morning. I pray for your help today. pray, dear God, that you would help our church, Lord, and pray that nice these things in Christ's most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And I want to start with some positive action, so th- some things to do. You know, we're going to start here with some positives, and, and again, these, positive, these are positive outflows that we have towards one another. And, you know, generally when we see these, all of these are edifying duties, all of these are edifying actions, and uh, the, to edify simply means to build up, to help grow or mature. That's really the calling that we have with one another, right? We're meant to build each other up. In Romans 14, 19, the Bible says this, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify one another. You know, the, the reason we come together is to build each other up. The reason that we, we have this time is to, to, uh, to ensure that uh, the, the goal is to build each other up through our words and our actions. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Saying not everything's profitable. He's saying you, you could do anything. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. And the apostle's um, mindset was that he was to come, and and whilst he has liberty to be uh, apart from the law, and he has liberty to to go about and do those things that that, that are just his option and his choice, he's saying not all things edify, not all things are profitable. And so his attitude in our liberty you know, we can choose to do things that are more profitable and that build up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in speaking about spiritual gifts, and he says, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek ye that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Even in regard to the usage of how God resources us as individuals, he's saying the emphasis should be in the usage of that to edify or build each other up. And I wonder if we have that mentality as we come into this time together in, in, in our gathering, in our, uh, the fact that God has placed us together as a, as a family of God. I wonder if that's our attitude is to edify one another. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. And so again, our manner of conduct, the actions that we perform toward each other ought to bring comfort and it ought to bring edification. That, that ought to be the, the mindset that we have 
as we gather together. And we'll cover some of those things this morning. So here's some positive actions that reinforce. You know, I don't know about you, but um, sometimes we've had, uh, we've had working bees uh, you know, in the past at, at Southland. And, and maybe you've had them here too. I'd love to, to do a few of those over the, the coming months. But you know, there's times where you're, you're doing a little bit of renovation. And there's just people that are just skilled with, with the tools, right? They're just skilled. They just know what to do. And whether it's, um, it's uh, carpentry, whether it's, it's, it's painting, they just seem to do it well. Well, there's others that are just talented in this one thing. They're just talented in demolition, right? And, I, and I'll just be honest with you, um, as, much as, as much as I'd like to help, and I will, I, I'm usually left with the demolition, right? I just don't have those skills. And, and my dad, you know, he tried to invest that in me over the years, and, and I'm just not, not that way. And that's okay. You know, when you go through a working bee, some people need to be to do that. But I want to tell you, in, in, the, in the church family, spiritually speaking, there's no need for those who are in the demolition job. We're meant to build up. We're all meant to add together, come together with the sense of we're going we're gonna to build each other up. We're going we're gonna to prop each other up in the things that are needful in our lives. And some of these, again, are basic, but I want, I want you to see the first action that reinforces, and it's simply this prayer. Prayer. In James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, we often quote that last bit of that verse. Now, the effectual, uh, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But, you know, it's in the context, actually, of praying one for another. You know, we mentioned at the beginning of our service today just those who are in need. But I wonder if we just make it a habit of just praying one for another. I wonder if you would even just uh, ha- have the, the initiative today to think, well, I don't actually have a list of those coming to our church. I wonder if I could grab that, and I, I wonder if I would just make it a habit to daily or, or throughout the week pray through that list. And I know that, that part of me, as I think about that, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm convicted about the, the time that, uh, that, that, you know, when it comes to prayer, sometimes we, we, we don't focus on it so much. Sometimes it's one of those things that are so basic to the faith that we forget about it. And yet, this very thing of praying one for another, that's an action. That's an action that ought to flow out of a heart of love and humility. You understand that prayer is, is, is asking God, isn't it? But it's so good to ask God for others. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, the prophet Samuel, in considering the nation, he says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord. In ceasing to pray for you that I will teach you the good and the right way. You know, he said in his own heart, he understood it would be a sin for him to cease to pray for the people. And listen, I wonder if we would just take the attitude today that whilst we have needs and whilst we can come to the Lord and we ought to make all requests known unto him, I wonder if we would just have the attitude that we'll just pray. We'll just pray. You know, maybe you're wondering, well, what do I pray? Wait, pray for Pray for God's will to be done in their lives. Pray that God's word will minister to them. Pray that God will will have his way with them. And we ought to pray one for another. That's, that's That's pretty standard, isn't it? But I wonder if we do it. I wonder if this week we've just taken the time to pray one for another. Notice the next thing. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. 
And again, the deal is if we follow along quickly, we'll be done quick. So Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 24 to 25. Notice here, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Notice that in verse 25, not, not only the, the encouragement to gather together, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but exhort, men we gather, and here's another action, is to exhort one another. Right? Exhort means to encourage. Okay? It means to embolden through our words or, or advice. And you know, our, our times together ought to be times where we're encouraging one another. You know, it's a good thing to ask the question, how are you? But then it's a good thing to listen and then encourage them in that. Right? I know this. I know that I can be guilty of going, how are you? And then not listening. You ever been with someone that way? You know, you ask, how are you? And then next thing you know, they're walking off. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes, sometimes we, we ought to slow down and we ought to just be purposeful and intentional in how we act. And we just ought to listen. And then respond by encouraging them about the Lord. Encouraging them, uh, perhaps, about w- w- through Scripture. And it's in our assembly, but in Hebrews 3.13, the Bible says this, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He's saying, exhort one another daily. Hey, can I just remind you this morning that we're not just the church when we assemble. We're the church each day. Right? As we're about in the community, we're the church. And listen, it doesn't, doesn't mean that, that we just come together, uh, that only when we come together should we encourage one another. No, throughout the week, we ought to be sensitive enough to the Lord. And can I just say this? If we're praying one for another, God might bring someone to your heart to quickly make a phone call or send a text message to, to just give a word of kindness and a word of exhortation. When was the last time you just took some time to think of others? You know, that's an action that's pretty simple. In this day and age where we can quickly communicate one with another, it, there ought not really be an excuse that we neglect this. As a church, how, how, much, how much would we, we sense a, a greater care when throughout the week we would just be, just be mindful of one another and then act this way? Encourage. Hey, listen, if you bump into each other at the shops, please don't neglect each other. Right? Just come and, and share, share a word. Just say hello. Just encourage them about the Lord. And take the time. And, and we ought to take the time to notice when others are down. And then just not notice, act. Okay, the, 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 the action of exhortation, prayer, exhortation. Here's another one. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And again, we're, we're turning to different places this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4. And he's just finished challenging the, uh, just the people here about having fervent charity amongst themselves. And then here's the, here's the action. Okay, if charity is love, right? Here's the action that follows. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Notice that use hospitality 
one to another. Now, what's hospitality? You know, we think about hospitality, we often can think about the hospitality industry, right? Where you go into restaurants, you, you have all of these places, but you know, hospitality is actually a biblical mandate. Hospitality is about opening our lives up as God enables us to help and bless others. You know, I think we in Australia, as, as God's people, we don't use hospitality enough to be a blessing to our neighbors and those. You know, usually when you study hospitality, it's tagged to strangers, those you don't know. But certainly in, in, uh, in, the, in the church, when was the last time we just opened our lives up to be a blessing to someone else, to meet a need, to, to perhaps invite someone into our home? You know, often we look at that, it's our zone, isn't it? It's, it's sort of, you know, our area to, to relax. But, you know, when, as we see in verse 10, as every man hath received the gift. Hey, that home that we live in, the resources that we have, listen, we earned it because we worked hard. But, you know, who gifted it? God gifted it. It's a gift. And he's saying, you know, be a steward of that gift and use it, use it in this way, hospitality. You know, ha having a meal together is a good expression of that. You know, having someone over to encourage them to, to meet a need, to, to get to know them. You know, meeting a need of another. In Romans 12, 13, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. You know, I think there are those who are spiritually gifted more than others in this way. But there's a general command there to use hospitality. You know, I, I think we can become, as, as people, too private. We can become where there's, and we understand there's certain boundaries that we ought not to cross. But we ought to have a mindset that, that we want to get to know each other. You know, the best way to do that is to, to use hospitality. You know, uh, we, we plan and over the course of getting to know you all to start inviting you over. And as the Lord gives us ability, we're going to do that. And, and all of us here this morning, we have that opportunity to be that one for another. Why? For me, you know, pastors are to be given to it, the Bible says. And, and all of us here this morning, though, there's a general command, use hospitality one with another. You know, when was the last time you just thought, you know, sometimes we can get into this, uh, into this mindset of, you know, we're only ever with those that we already know. Now, I have a bit of an advantage. For, for us, we're getting to know you. But for some here, you've been here for a while. And no one's even noticed. You've been here for a while and you haven't gone. And, and I know it's uncomfortable sometimes. Maybe someone's new in the church and they're uncomfortable too. Can I remi remind you? And there's times where just hospitality, and it really is linked with this next action, is in Romans chapter 15. And so we looked at prayer, we looked at exhortation, we looked at hospitality, and then look at Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, verses 7 to 11. Notice this, wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now, aren't you glad that Christ received us? The Bible says we're accepted in the beloved. And if you're saved here this morning, there's, there's no fear of being cast out. 
says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the Father. So he's referring to the Jews here. And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. With his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and Lord him, all ye people. He's saying that, that, that whilst he went to, uh, that, to, to the circumcision for the truth of God, he was, it was to confirm the Gentiles. He was saying that regardless of where their, their, their background is, they were to be one people in Christ. And, you know, it's amazing because in the context of, of the New Testament Scriptures, especially in the early church, there was still a lot of that, that Jewish mindset in the church where the Jews avoided the Gentiles. You know who the, the, the Gentiles were? They were non-Jews. It was everyone else. And there was that, that bit there that so much of that was still ingrained and God was, was using Scripture, using these that we see here before us today to just remind, remind the church of His plan. And here's the last action here that, that reinforces. It's really acceptance. You know, acceptance. God's plan is to bring all people together. It, it doesn't matter. It says in Colossians 3.11, where there is neither, neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. And listen, we're, we're living in a time where, where there, there's just great sometimes disparities in, in society with socioeconomic statuses and there's different places that, you know, there's, there's all these different backgrounds all meshed in the one place. And there's a great opportunity that we have today actually to demonstrate Christ's likeness. And I wonder how quickly we are to, to accept one another when we see someone walk through the door who might look different or might be different. And, and he's saying that in Christ, that actually Christ is all and in all. And listen, we better take great care because, you know, the Bible warns us not to be a respecter of persons. The Bible warns us not to show partiality. And that's a whole message on its own. You know what partiality is? It's an undue bias of mind towards one party or side which is apt to warp the judgment. You know, Pastor Fisher once told me this, you can't minister to people you've already judged. It's true. All of us here, we have different things we're going through. You know, there's different heartaches. There's different things that trouble our mind. And we can be quick to just make a judgment call without stopping and listening and hearing and then seeing if we could just do something to help. You know, I think about my own, uh, own life, you know, I think as Aussies, we have this mindset to give each other a fair go, right? And I just think about my own, um, my own experience. I remember we were going to a, a church in Sydney, and, and, and a church just down the road started to open up, and it, it was Southland Baptist Church. It used to be Bethany Baptist Church back then. And I really didn't want to go. I was 12. I was, I was insecure about, you know, everything, as a 12-year-old does, is. And I went in there, and I just remember I just did not want to be there. My parents would bring me. I was already pretty settled in our previous church, and I just didn't want to come. And I was there, and I was pretty, you know, 
I was pretty hard. Like, I sat in the back and I crossed my arms and I just had a frown on my face all the time. And I, I sat there and for weeks and weeks. And you know what? Those people, they just kept coming and asking me how I was. And then a couple of other, some of the, the young people would come around and they would ask me, hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to do? And I didn't want to, but eventually they got me. Eventually they did. You know, it, it was, for, for me, it was sport. Like, they, they said, hey, you want to play basketball? I love basketball. So I started playing, and then pretty soon they were bringing me along to, you know, to, to the, the youth program on, on Friday nights. And, you know, I was already saved. I was already, but I was hard. And, you know, I'm thankful today. I'm thankful that family didn't give up on me. I'm thankful that they didn't just look at me and go, oh, it's too hard. Oh, he, does, he doesn't, doesn't seem to want to be here. And, you know, they kept at it. And I just, I'm thankful because then I belonged. I was accepted. They understood that, that you know, God was still working on me. And, and, and can I just remind you, God's still working on you, by the way. You know, sometimes we look at someone and we just see them where they're at. But by faith, we ought to see them where they can be for the Lord. We'll never know. You never know what 12-year-old sits at the back who crosses his arm can become the pastor of that church one day. And God would move to Brisbane, this Sydney cider. <laughs> you just don't know. But that's, that's faith. And if we don't enact our faith, we don't have that action of faith, of just acceptance, of just seeing where God could bring someone, giving someone a fair go. And I'm so glad, I'm thankful for the Barnabases in our lives. You know, Paul, when he first got saved, when they took him to Jerusalem, they, the, the apostles actually didn't want to believe that he had converted. They thought that, that somehow he was playing some games to get into the church, and they didn't believe his conversion. And, and I'm thankful that there was a Barnabas there, because Barnabas was the one that's, that brought him along and then just brought him before the apostles there and said, hey, no, he's, he's, he's the real deal, this guy. And, and I think that we ought to have that mindset. You know, these are actions that really reinforce what God's doing because at the end of the day, God's plan is for all to come. God's plan is for, for different walks of life to come together and, you know, to form a family of God. You know, when we pray, when we exhort, when we, uh, when we show one another hospitality and then all of that is to bring us to a point of togetherness of coming together as a family. And, you know, all of us here, we're all different. We're all got our quirks. But understand that God, that God, in His mind, He looks at us and He wants to bring us together in unity. And, and to overcome that, th these things ought to exist. And, and there's some actions then that reinforce, but there's actions that maintain. These are responses that we have so we can maintain the harmony. You know, sometimes... We look at our own families, and it's hard sometimes to keep the family in harmony, right? You know, as they get older, they have different, different activities, and their, their personalities really come out, and we're trying to manage that. But at the end of the day, we do things to maintain that. Right? We do things that will help just keep it going. Uh, you know, being from Sydney, one of, the, one of the things we got to do many years ago, we got to climb the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Right now, I didn't do it voluntarily. I'm afraid of heights. 
But our, our youth and young adults at the, at the church there bought us, uh, bought us tickets for the bridge climb. It was for our wedding anniversary. And so in that way, because they were gracious to me, it, was forced, it forced me to climb a really, really high bridge, all right? But it was wonderful. It was, it was an amazing experience. We got to the top finally after some great fear and trepidation on my part. But it was a beautiful sight. And if you come into my office, we, I have a picture of that um, where we were at the top of the bridge. But, you know, I, they were telling us about the bridge and, and all of what it takes to maintain this, this icon of the city. And, you know, that bridge, it rusts. And what they do, they've got to paint it with a, a special paint that has all of the chemicals needed to preserve it. And what happens on January 1, they start, and then January 31st, ah, uh, January 31st, December 31st, they get back and they finish. It takes a whole year to maintain that bridge. That's a whole lot of effort, isn't it? You know, it takes a lot of effort to maintain things. It, you know, I'm sure in your own homes, you, you understand that you, you've got to clean. <laughs> now, anyone, anyone love cleaning? There's a few of you. I've got my hand up. I actually like cleaning. Imagine that. But I just, I just love having a clean environment. Why? Because it just, it, you're meant to maintain things. It takes effort. And, and these, these actions help maintain. Here's the first one. It's admonishing. In Ephesians 4.25, Wherefore put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You know what admonishing is? It's, it's to speak truth in love. It's to instruct each other with truth. In Ephesians 4.15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ. Again, it's underpinned with an attitude of love. You know, the time that we have here today, it's, it's meant to admonish you in the things of, of the Word of God, in the way that we ought to act one toward another, these actions. But the, the action I'm, I'm performing this morning is admonition. I'm admonishing you, instructing you. The time that we had earlier in our different Sunday schools, and thanks for coming, by the way, but those who were here, they were, it was an admonishment. That's the, that's the function of that. When you enroll in a Bible Institute course or you're part of a discipleship course, all of that is to admonish. And what that is, it maintains us in unity of doctrine and practice. Right? That's important. But even in our times where we're sitting together, maybe in our personal conversations, sometimes we've got to t tell each other a hard truth. But what that is, we ought to speak it in love. But it maintains it helps us to be like-minded like we spoke about last week. It helps us to keep Christ as the head. It helps us to keep going and to, to understand what our purpose is. And, and it gives us really what admonishing is. It just gives us a grounding in the truth. And that's what we need. You know, um, the preaching, the teaching, the personal counsel, when we speak the truth in love, we help others to live for Christ. But that's an action that we, we ought to have. Hey, listen, you know, where else... Can people get the hard truth, but spoken in love, than the church? You know, sometimes, sometimes those out there who are without Christ can, be a, can, can have more courage than the church itself. But we ought to, we ought to just, you know, someone once told me that it's the art of, of, of stepping on someone's shoes without wrecking the shine. Right? And, and the, the key there is to speak it in love. 
Hey, listen, when my wife comes to me and she tells me something, it would grate against me sometimes, but I, I accept it. Why? Because I know she loves me. And listen, if, if we know that we have a loved one for another, if, if a brother or sister comes to you and there's, a, there's something that they've seen in your life perhaps that is a concern to them, there's an art of accepting that too. But there's also really an art of just speaking it in love. But it ought to be paired with this next action, it's forbearance. Because Colossians 3.13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And he's saying there, forbear. Forbearance is to spare. It means to treat with indulgence and patience. And sometimes we will observe something that we need to speak about, but maybe it's just not the right time. You know what that is? You're forbearing. Now, I can't imagine the, my life as a young person growing up in, in our church if every single time I did something wrong, if about five adults came to me. <laughs> now, I'd be pretty discouraged. But I'm thankful that there were those men who spoke to me, but in the right time. You know, they praised in public, but they corrected in, in private. That's, that's, that's probably a good way to approach it. And there was this, there was this really just a, just a help to me in my personal, uh, personal life. Just many times men and ladies were forbearing. And listen, sometimes we can take the, we can take the, the, the pseudo office of the church critic. <laughs> and you can perform the the duty of a policeman in the church, but there ought not to be. There ought to be some forbearance. All right, forbearing. You know, at times you, you spare and you give grace. You may have the right, but you may, not, you may need the right timing. It might just be that, well, you, you're, for, you're forbearing in this sense. You're just not going to get offended at something that just was said. You know, it's, isn't it easy to offend others? It's easy. We can say things out of tone without thinking. And, and can, I just, can I just encourage you this morning that when, when that time does come, practice some forbearance. That's a good action. It maintains. But then linked to that again is this last one here, forgiving. Right? We read it earlier already in Colossians 3.13, but in Ephesians 4.32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And I'm so glad that we have the, the, the supreme example of that. You know, none of us here were deserving of forgiveness. And yet the Lord Jesus was willing to lay down his life on the cross. Why? So that we can be forgiven. Right? He's saying there the, the, the example of Christ, for even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Listen, forgiveness is a need. Forgiveness is an expectation. And forgiveness is a, is a powerful action. Hey, listen, we need those in our marriages. We need forgiveness in our parenting. We need forgiveness in our ministering one to another. Why? Because we're just prone as human beings to let each other down. And yet in, in, in a church where God has called us to be a family, God has called us to unity, God has called us to a great mission we can become distracted, disillusioned, and detoured. Why? Because we simply won't forgive. 
Listen, forgiveness can be difficult. You know, there's, there's different things and there's great depths of hurt that we can have. But you think about what the Lord Jesus did. Think about all of the sins of humanity. And he willingly went to the cross so, he, so we can be forgiven. That's an amazing thing. You know, we can, we, we, we can forgive. And we ought to have that attitude. You know, you imagine how much bigger our church family would be if we just learned to forgive. I just begin to think about that in our own hearts. And again, that, that's, a, that's an action of maintenance. It maintains the church. And so all of those actions, they're positive, really. You think about that, but there's some negative actions that I want to I address this morning. That's to avoid these. You know, sometimes the best action is to avoid a negative action. And in Galatians 5, 13 to 15, notice the, the Bible's warning here. Galatians 5, 13 to 15. And notice verse 13. He says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, but only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then notice verse 15. But, so in, if, you, if you're not performing that, but you're doing this, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Here's the, the warning. Really, it's a warning about our tongue. You know, in James, we know that the tongue is an unruly evil. Out of all of the members, the Bible says it's on, uh, set on fire of hell. It's destructive. And we ought to guard our words. There's a warning about our words here. He's saying, avoid. Avoid this about, about one another. It says in James 4.11, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his, his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. He's saying, avoid this, speaking evil one of another. You know, there, there ought to be a God. We ought, to, uh, we ought to surrender our tongue to the Holy Spirit. And again, we can, we, can, uh, we can expound on that. We won't take the time. That'll be a whole other sermon altogether. But man, the tongue. Man, how, 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 how have words hurt? You know, the, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt us. How wrong is that? Words hurt. And when we, when we use words that are dishonest, when we use words that, that, um, that, that gossip and slander and injure another person's character without, without any reason, when we just spout out our opinions that are unfounded, how much does that hurt the body? How much does that hurt the church family? And when we're not going about and we're not guarded in our words, we're just going about and we're not letting the Holy Spirit be the one that, 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 that our words are submitted to. We're not speaking the truth in love like we spoke about. And listen, that only produces the opposite. It tears down, doesn't it? And so we need to avoid uh, evil speaking. It's a warning about our words, but it's also a warning about our thoughts. In James 5.9, the Bible says this, Grudge not one against another, brethren, 
Lest ye be condemned, behold, the judge standeth before the door. To grudge means to murmur. It's to, to complain about another's advantage or profit. You know what? That often, where that often is done? We never say it. Right? We never, we never truly complain one to another about the person we're speaking to. What we do, we think it. Hey, be careful with your thought life. You know, sometimes we poison our own actions because we've poisoned our thinking. And, and there's a warning there. He says, grudge not one against another. You know what that is? Evil thoughts. You know, I, I think sometimes we enter into a syndrome in our mind. We just go through and suddenly we've gone from here to over there. And suddenly we've just gone all the way and suddenly we're avoiding that person. Suddenly everything we say, everything that person says, it's with a shade of this. We start to read in and we better take great care. That's an action to avoid. Right? Grudge not. And be careful. And so those are just some actions to avoid. But what are the outcomes? You know, again, we, we've, we've covered a, a whole lot, but... What are the things? You know, there's the, the law of cause and effect, right? Actions have consequences. And when we act a certain way, it, it produces certain things. Look at Galatians chapter 6. And then the second last scripture we'll turn to, we'll go to Philemon in a bit. But it says in verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So he says it depends on how you, how you sow there. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to get the consequence. You'll reap. If you sow to the Spirit the right things, you're going to reap those things of the Spirit. And, and, and there's, a, there's a cause and effect in our actions. And again, we're coming to the tail end. You've got to, go to, got to put it in the, the whole context of what we learn about. You know, are grounded in love. And then, and then approaching it with humility. And then these actions ought to be an outcome. It ought to be a flow out of all of those, those foundational things we've learned about. But then what does it produce in the church? If we're, we're, we're mindful of these actions in our lives and we're constantly evaluating ourselves in the context of what God expects of us, of one another, what is the outcome of it? And, and the first thing I want to cover here is this. It really ought to produce maturity in the church. Because in Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, the Bible says, But speaking the truth in love, we read this earlier, may grow up into him all things which is the head, even Christ. But notice that, grow up into him. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Saying so we're meant to build each other up in this, and the the what what is produced is that we grow up in Christ. Listen, there's too many Christians who just go about and they're, they're tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. The, the Bible says that. But we're meant to mature. There's some things, and you know what, what that is? Practice makes perfect. Right? We say that, don't we? But practice is an outworking. We're meant to do what we hear. We're meant to go about, we're meant to be mindful that as we come together as a church family, we actually have a responsibility. 
to be a part of the solution, to be part of what we perceive is the, the needed change. And, and we need to then have the maturity. But maturity is what is produced when we come together and we enact these things in our lives. You know, there's nothing like forbearing that matures you. There's nothing like forgiveness when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it's beyond even your, your, your capacity in your own mind to even fathom that someone would do that. Boy, does that grow up, you up. It becomes, it, you, you just become more like Christ when you do it. Because Christ did it over and over again for the whole of humanity. But here's what else it produces lastly. Look at Philemon chapter 1. Look at Philemon chapter 1 and, and verses 5 to 7. Notice Paul in his, his recommendation of this brother. To Philemon, he says this in verse, verse 5. Let's look at verse 4 actually. I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayer, prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Notice verse 5 again. It says, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus. So he's got that love part. He's got all of that down pat. But notice how the flow out, and toward all the saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So he's saying that he's communicated his faith. You know what that is? It's action. And then notice verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Here's the last thing that we'll see that is produced when we have a genuine love, when we approach with humility and then we go through and we see these fruits in our lives. Is this, it, it's just refreshing. You know, we ought to come and we ought to be refreshed. You know, this week we, I mentioned we were at, at National Baptist Fellowship. It's just a yearly thing where independent Baptists all around Australia, and this year it was really a QBF, as everyone mentioned. We had all of our Queensland brethren there, and then one family or two from Northern Territory. But we had a great time. Why? Because we just kept it about the main thing. We were just trying to give grace. And you know what it was? You know what, what happened? It was just refreshing. It was refreshing. And you know what, church? Church ought to be that way. It ought to be that we come here, we get the ex exhortation that we need. It ought to be that we get a sense of, of our people all, all together praying for one another. We're not surprised that there's, a, there's, an, there's an atmosphere of care and love and, and joy. And we come away and you know what? We got what we needed. We were refreshed. But you know what? It takes work. It takes us just coming back to those things of, do I love God and do I love others? comes back to a place of preferring one another, submitting one, ourselves one to another, humility. And then these outflows, these actions, just being practiced each and every time. And listen, that, that can't come about through self-discipline. It can't come about through just a, a casual approach to our time together. It comes about when we're purposeful. It comes ab ab about when we understand what we're about. And it comes about when we practice what has been preached and what we ought to preach to ourselves. It comes about 
when all of these are an outflow, a natural, organic outflow of the love that we ought to have for the Lord. And then, and then all of that comes about. And so I want to I ask you this, this morning. You know, we've had the last couple of weeks just focusing on these, but I wonder if, if at the end of the day, we've got a happy home. We've got a refreshing home. I wonder if, if we see that there's, there's maturity. I wonder if we see some unity. And, and if we're not seeing that, I wonder what we'll do about it. Because at the end of the day, it, there has to be a decision point that you're going to do this. That you're going to be part of it. You know, these actions, it's going to produce an outcome. We, we, we want to be the church that's loving one another. We want to be the church that's humble toward each other. But we want to be the church that will mature and refresh and there's unity. But at the end of the day, that's up to you. Because we're members one of another. It's about us. It's about what we bring to the table. Someone said it this way. This is my church. It is composed of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous onto its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service. If I who make it what it is am filled with these. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. What do you want our church to be? What do you want our church to be that? Because if we would be that, then the church will be that. And so I want to ask this, this morning, just a, a final invitation, just considering all things we learn. I wonder if there's an area here that you're saying, Lord, I'm lacking in that and I need to act. I need to practice that thing that, that I want to see in the church. Lord, I've been convicted about this. I've noticed this perhaps about me or others. Or, Lord, help me be part of, of that. Maybe it's just as simple as this. You just start praying for one another. You know, prayer, prayer heals a lot of ills. If we would just pray, I think God will just, will just bring about a change. And you know, I, as, as your pastor, I want to say that I just, I'm glad I belong to this church family. But I think God would have us to do more. I think God would have us to reach out into this community. But, but as, as he said, judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. And we've got to be. We've got to be the ones that would come before him and say, Lord, I want to love you more. Lord, I want to, I want to submit myself and I, I want to be humble before you. And Lord, help me to see these fruits in my life. Help me to see this as, an, as a natural response and a, as a natural outflow of, of those things that are real in my life. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless. And I, I'm going to have the piano come. And we're just going to have a time of prayer of just, just seeking the Lord this morning. And maybe just this, committing yourself to be the kind of member, the kind of family member that you need to be before the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the time that we have here. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And I know, Lord God, that we, we covered a lot this morning. And I don't know where, where everyone's at. I don't know where you would have for them, Lord, to just focus on. But, Lord, as we have this time of invitation, I pray that you'd help us this morning to just would you just pinpoint, Lord God, where it's at for us, Lord? Pinpoint where we need to grow, where we need to improve. And Lord, would you just, uh, just stir our hearts, dear God, this morning? Uh, Lord, to just, 
just be the kind of member that you want our church to be. Lord, we want to surrender to you. And so as a piano plays, I want to ask each, each family, perhaps there at your seat or, or right here if you're able to at the altar this morning, just say, Lord, I want to be the kind of church family member, dear Lord, that, that you would have me to be. And, and I think, Lord God, that you would have something, Lord, for us to do. And Lord, I want to commit myself to being the member that I need to be, Lord God. And so as the piano plays, why don't you do business with the Lord as, as, as families, as individuals, and where you're at. Why don't you do this? Why don't you pray for our church today? Why don't you just take the time as the piano plays? And, and then if I can ask, um, can I ask that special to come up in, uh, after the, the song? after the invitation and if I can ask you to come and just close us off this um, this morning that'll be great but why don't we take the time as a piano plays how's your love for God how's your love for others did we come with did we come this morning with humility and Lord and, and has the Lord touched you about these actions and why don't we do business with the Lord as, as a piano plays